Hey, and welcome on to NBA Recap. Today is Wednesday, December 22nd, and we had five games on in the NBA last night, so let's get right into them. Starting off in Miami, the Heat defeated the Pacers 125-96. In New York, the Knicks beat the Pistons 105-91. In New Orleans, the Pelicans defeated the Trailblazers 111-97. In Dallas, the Mavericks beat the Timberwolves 114-102. And finally, in Los Angeles, the Suns defeated the Lakers 108-90. And the Nets-Wizards game was postponed. So we will break down all five of those games in just a moment. But first, if you'd like to follow the show on social, we are at NBA Recap Pod or you can just search YouTube or smart speakers for NBA Recap Podcast. And if you enjoy the show, consider subscribing or leaving a review. It really helps get the word out. All right, so starting off today in Miami, where the Heat easily defeated the Indiana Pacers 125-96. to The Heat are still without Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, so they were led in this game by Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, both of whom had 26 points. Robinson in the starting lineup, he had six three-pointers, and Hero off the bench, he had five three-pointers. And then they also got 18 points from Max Struess, also in the starting lineup. Whereas the Pacers were led by Karis LeVert, he had 17 points, and they also got 17 from the rookie Chris Duarte off the bench. But this game was a struggle, to say the least, for the Indiana Pacers. They shot just 35% from the field, whereas the Heat were 49% overall. And then they were also 44% from three, whereas the Pacers were actually 35% from three. That's not bad. But nonetheless, the shooting disparity overall was pretty atrocious. And then the Pacers were also out-rebounded by the Heat. And this was a blowout pretty much from the jump. They were outscored in the first quarter 33-21. to And then they kept up the pressure in the second quarter, the Heat outscored scored the Pacers 35 to 24. So it was already a 23 point lead at the half. And then they just maintained that lead throughout the entire second half. In fact, they even expanded upon it even further. So it was like a 30 point game by the end. Just a total blowout for this Miami Heat team who I feel like are not getting enough credit for how well they've been playing without their two best players for quite some time. They're being led by a guy in Kyle Lowry who just joined the team in the offseason and then all these other undrafted guys that they just picked up off the waiver wire over the past couple of seasons and then developed into quality rotation guys like Max Struess and Duncan Robinson and Gabe Vincent. So all credit to the Heat. And with this win, they now improve to 19 and 13. So they're still in fourth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, They're half a game behind the Cleveland Cavaliers in third and tied with the Milwaukee Bucks in fifth, two and a half games up on the 76ers and Wizards in sixth and seventh. And the Heat are plus 3.7 in the point differential, which is actually second best in the conference after just the Cavaliers. And they are six and four in their last 10 games. And as for the Indiana Pacers, this loss takes them to 13 and 19. So they're still in that 13th spot in the Eastern Conference. One and a half games behind the Knicks in 12th and six and a half games up on the Magic in 14th. So the Pacers getting more and more entrenched in that 13th spot. They are four and six in their last 10 games. They have a plus 0.6 point differential still, though, which is better than four teams ahead of them. Okay, so moving on to the box score, and the Pacers, as I mentioned, were led by Karis LeVert and Chris Duarte off the bench. Duarte, in 19 minutes only, the rookie, was 5 of 7 from the field, 3 of 4 from beyond the arc, and he had 4 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 steals. So pretty solid uh, production from the rookie there in limited minutes. And then in the starting lineup, Karis LeVert also had 17 points. He was a team low, negative 21 in the plus-minus, and he wasn't super efficient either. 4 of 15 from the field. He was 3 of 5 from 3, though, and 6 of 6 from the free-throw line. He had 4 rebounds, 3 assists. They also got 12 points from Demonis Sabonis, but it was not a very productive game for him either. In 28 minutes, he was 4 of 11 from the field, missed both of his three-point attempts. He just had four rebounds, four assists, and that was it in the box score. They also got nine points from Miles Turner, 
He just played 22 minutes. He was four or five from the field. He had seven rebounds, one assist, one steal, and two blocks in that time. Justin Holiday had seven points, also in 22 minutes. He was ice cold, two of 10 from the field, one of eight from beyond the arc. He had three rebounds, two assists. And Malcolm Brogdon, rounding out the starting lineup, played just eight minutes before going out of this game, and he only scored one point in that time. And off the bench for the Pacers, besides Chris Duarte, they also got 14 points from O'Shea Brissett. He was 5 of 8 from the field, 2 of 2 from beyond the arc. And he had 5 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 1 block. So decent production there from Brissett. They also got 6 points from Isaiah Jackson in 12 minutes, 5 from Torrey Craig. They got 2 points from the other 4 players to see the court. Gogo Batadze, the backup big man. Brad Wanamaker, the backup point guard. Jeremy Lamb and Keelan Martin rounding out the bench. But those four were atrocious shooting the ball. Batadze, Wanamaker, Lamb, and Martin. They went a combined 3 of 22 from the field. Just brutal shooting from the bench for the Pacers. And as for the Miami Heat, they were led by Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, both of whom had 26 points. Hero off the bench in just 21 minutes was 8 of 17 from the field. He had five three-pointers, one rebound, five assists. He was plus 31 in the plus-minus, which was by far a team high. So really good stuff here for Hero. And then Robinson also scoring 26 points in the starting lineup. Didn't do a whole lot in the box score. He had one rebound, one assist, and that was it. But he was 10 of 16 from the field and 6 of 10 from 3. So super efficient shooting for Robinson. And then they also got 18 points from Max Struess in 36 minutes. He was 7 of 15 from the field, 4 of 12 from 3. He had 7 rebounds, 4 assists. 13 points for Gabe Vincent in 32 minutes. He was 5 of 13 from the field. He had 3 threes, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. Kyle Lowry had a double-double without points. Nearly had the triple-double, though. He had 8 points on 3 of 9 shooting. He was 0 of 5 from beyond the arc. But he had 11 rebounds, 12 assists, and 2 steals. And then Dwayne Dedman, the big man rounding out the starting lineup, had 5 points in 20 minutes. He had 8 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 blocks as well. And off the bench for the Heat, besides Tyler Hero, they also got 16 points from KZ Akpala in 23 minutes. He was incredibly efficient. 7 of 9 from the field. He had 2 threes, 3 rebounds. They also got 8 points from Omer Yurtsevin. He kind of stuffed the stat sheet in 22 minutes. He had 13 rebounds, 1 assist, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. And then they also got three points from the veteran Udonis Haslam, and it came from beyond the arc. I think it was like his sixth career three-pointer all-time or something like that. And then Marcus Garrett had two points in 19 minutes. All right, and next up we can move on to New York, where the Knicks defeated the Detroit Pistons 105-91. to The Knicks were led by Evan Fournier. He had 22 points, and they also got 21 from Kemba Walker and Julius Randle. Whereas the Pistons were led by Saban Lee, the sophomore, off the bench. He had 16 points, and they also got 15 points from Corey Joseph and Sadiq Bey in the starting lineup. But unfortunately for the Pistons, they just could not keep up with the Knicks, specifically in the first half. They were outscored by the Knicks 24-17 to in the first and then 24 to 20 in the second. So this was a double digit lead for the Knicks going into the second half and they pretty much just maintained that double digit lead throughout the entire second half. It ballooned up to like 21 uh, at the beginning of the third quarter, but then the Pistons made things interesting later in the third. They actually cut the deficit to within double digits by the beginning of the fourth quarter, but then the Knicks were able to reestablish a solid lead by the end of the fourth quarter and pull away in the end. And they shot the ball pretty well, 44% from the field, 33% from three. That's not great, but much better than the Pistons. They were just 36% from the field and 24% from three. So atrocious shooting from the Pistons. And they also didn't help themselves by turning the ball over 14 times. So a pretty lifeless performance here from Detroit. They are looking like 
either the worst team in the league or one of the worst, to be sure. And with this loss, they now fall to 5-25, and 25, so they are firmly entrenched at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, in fact, the bottom of the entire league. They're just 1-9 in their last 10 games. They were on that really long losing streak, but they finally won a game in their previous one. But back to their losing ways here, and they have a negative 9.2-point differential, which is second worst in the entire league, ahead of just the Orlando Magic. And as for the Knicks, this win takes them to 14-17, and 17, a much-needed win for them as they're just 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. They find themselves in 12th now, one and a half games up on the Indiana Pacers in 13th, and one game behind that big morass of teams right ahead of them, the Hawks. Raptors, Celtics, and Hornets are all just one game up on the Knicks. So it's not at all out of the realm of possibility that they could jump right back into the mix here with a couple wins. Although they do have a negative 1.1 point differential, which is worse than the three teams right ahead of them, as well as the Pacers right below them. But anyways, we can move on now to the box score, and the Pistons in this game were led, as I mentioned, by the sophomore Saban Lee. He had 16 points in 25 minutes off the bench. He was 7 of 15 from the field overall, so that's not bad, but he was just 1 of 7 from beyond the arc. He had 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block, though. He was negative 12 in the plus-minus. As for the starters, they were led by Corey Joseph and Sadiq Bay, both of whom had 15 points. Bay, the other sophomore, in 37 minutes was 5 of 19 from the field, so typically inefficient stuff for him. He was 3 of 13 from the three-point line. He had seven rebounds, three assists, and one steal. And then Corey Joseph, starting in place of the other sophomore, Killian Hayes, he had 15 points on 6 of 8 shooting, so much more efficient for him. He was 3 of 3 from beyond the arc, and he had two rebounds, one assist. The third sophomore, Isaiah Stewart, the big man, had 9 points and 11 rebounds. He had 2 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. He was negative 14 in the plus-minus, though. And then the team worst in that regard was Cade Cunningham, the rookie. He had just 7 points in 33 minutes. He was ice cold, 2 of 13 from the field. He had 9 rebounds, 8 assists, though, 1 block, and 5 turnovers. He was negative 18 in the plus-minus. And Hamadou Diallo, rounding out the starting lineup, had 10 points in 34 minutes. He was 5 of 13 from the field. He had 6 rebounds, 1 assist, and 5 steals, though. And then off the bench for the Pistons, besides Saban Lee, they also got 13 points from the backup big man Trey Lyles in 17 minutes. He was 4 of 9 from the field. He had 5 rebounds. And then 3 points for Rodney Magruder and Frank Jackson. And as for the Knicks, they were led, as I mentioned, by... Evan Fournier in the starting lineup, he had 22 points. He wasn't extremely efficient, 9 of 24 from the field, but he had four three-pointers, two rebounds, three assists, one steal, and one block. And he was plus 18, which was a starter's high. So overall, solid production from Fournier. They also got 21 points from Randall and Walker. Walker back into the starting lineup with all the injuries that the Knicks are dealing with. There was no Derrick Rose in this game, no Emmanuel Quickly, no R.J. Barrett. So Walker back in the lineup had 21 points on 8 of 21 shooting. He had 3 3 eight rebounds, five assists, one steal. They also got 21 from Julius Randle. He was eight of 18 from the field. He just had one three-pointer, but he had 11 rebounds, three assists, and one steal. He was plus 13 in the plus minus. And then they also got eight points from Alec Burks in 41 minutes, but he was just two of 10 from the field. He had seven rebounds, six assists, and two points for Nerlens Noel rounding out the starting lineup. He didn't even attempt a field goal. Uh, his two points came from the free throw line. He had three rebounds, two assists, one steal, and two blocks though. 
And then off the bench for the Knicks, they were led by Mitchell Robinson. Probably his best game of the season thus far. A big double-double, 17 points and 14 rebounds with one steal and three blocks. He was plus 24 in the plus-minus. That was a team high, and he was incredibly efficient, 8 of 9 from the field. So this is the type of performance that we would theoretically like to see from Mitchell Robinson on a regular basis. If he was putting up these kind of numbers, he would absolutely be the starting center. But it's just the consistency that's the problem for Robinson. He sprinkles in too many games like the one Nerlens Noel had where he just has two points uh, when he's been in the starting lineup. But now that he's been coming off the bench, he's actually been a little bit more consistent, ironically enough. And so the Knicks also got nine points from Todd Gibson in 19 minutes. He was four of six from the field, five rebounds, two assists, and five points for Wayne Selden in nine minutes. All right, and next up, we can move on to New Orleans, where the Pelicans defeated the Portland Trailblazers 111-97. The Pelicans were led by Brandon Ingram. He had 28 points. And they also got 27 from Nikhil Alexander-Walker off the bench. He had six three-pointers. Whereas the Trailblazers were led by Damian Lillard, a huge night for him, 39 points. He had six threes as well, seven assists. And he was actually ejected from this game in like the final seconds. He got a double technical after arguing with the ref on a call, which was kind of silly because it was like the very end of the game. But nonetheless, incredible production still from Damian Lillard. And this game was pretty close throughout. It was back and forth throughout the first and second quarters. Neither team ever held a double-digit lead in the first half. And then it was a two-point game for the Pelicans going into the second half. And then it was actually New Orleans that got out to a pretty sizable lead in the third quarter, in the middle of the third. They led by as many as 13 after Herb Jones, the rookie, hit a three-pointer with 8.31 left on the clock. But then the Trailblazers quickly fought back. They erased that deficit by the end of the third. But then the fourth quarter started much the same as the third. The Pelicans once again opened up a pretty sizable lead within the first couple of minutes. Nikhil Alexander-Walker's three-pointer with 8.46 left on the clock, but the Pelicans up by nine. It was 92 to 83. But then, like the third quarter, the Blazers came storming back, and this one was a very quick comeback. It just took Damian Lillard and Robert Covington in a couple of minutes to uh, hit a couple of three-pointers. So just like that, with 6.51 left on the clock, we were back to a one-point game. It was 92 to 91. So it felt like every time the Pelicans tried to pull away, the Blazers had an answer. But then throughout the final 6.51 of this game, the Pelicans pulled away again, and the Blazers absolutely did not have an answer. They were outscored 20-6 to in that final stretch. The Pelicans were just on fire, and the Blazers could not make anything happen offensively. Nikhil Alexander-Walker had another three-pointer with 3.28 left. That put the Pelicans once again up by nine, and then Brandon Ingram had a couple more clutch buckets as well. So a good gritty win here for the Pelicans. Despite the 39 points from Dame and despite the Blazers' repeated efforts to weasel their way back into this game, the Pelicans were resilient in the end, and frankly, they played much better than the Blazers overall. They were 52% from the field, and they dominated Portland on the boards, 44-31. to So especially down low, this was a bullying performance from the New Orleans Pelicans. The Blazers did shoot slightly better from beyond the arc, 38% versus just 36% for New Orleans, and the Pelicans turned the ball over 16 times versus just a 11 for the Blazers. So they were really shooting themselves in the foot with those turnovers. Uh, Otherwise, they were pretty dominant in this game. But in the end, they got the win, so it doesn't matter. And so they now improved to 11 and 21 with this victory. They are still in second to last in the Western Conference. They're just half a game up on the Houston Rockets in 15th and half a game behind the Thunder in 13th. And the Pelicans are on a three-game winning streak. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10 games. They have a negative five-point differential, which is third worst in the Western Conference. 
And as for the Portland Trailblazers, this loss takes them to 13-19. and 19. So once again, they have been surpassed by the Sacramento Kings. The Blazers now find themselves in 11th, just outside the play-in game range, and they are just ahead of the San Antonio Spurs in 12th. But it is very tightly contested between those three teams. The Kings, Blazers, and Spurs are all 13 games off the top spot in the West. And the Blazers have a negative 2.9 point differential, which is exactly where they should be in the conference. It's better than the Kings ahead of them, but it's worse than the Spurs below them. They're just 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. They've been on an arduous road trip. So hopefully for the Blazers' sake, they can get C.J. McCollum back at some point and start to right the ship here. But it has been a struggle, to say the least, for Chauncey Billups and the Blazers over the last couple of weeks. So anyways, we can move on now to the box score. And the Blazers, of course, were led by Damian Lillard. 39 points in 40 minutes. He was 13 of 24 from the field, 6 of 11 from 3, and 7 of 8 from the free throw line. He had 2 rebounds, 7 assists, 1 steal. He was negative 5 in the plus minus, but nonetheless, just incredible production from Damian Lillard. And he only had one turnover as well, so good clean game for Dame. They also got 17 points from Yusuf Nurkic in 33 minutes. He was 6 of 10 from the field. He had 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, and a block. 16 points for Norman Powell, although he was just 6 of 14 from the field. He had 2 threes, 2 assists, 4 rebounds, 1 steal, 1 block. He was negative 16 in the plus-minus, which was a team low. And then they also got 15 points from Larry Nance Jr., still in the starting lineup. He just played 28 minutes. He was 4 of 5 from the field in that time. He had 6 rebounds, 2 assists, 4 steals. And Tony Snell, rounding out the starting lineup, did not score at all. He was 0 for 1 from the field in 18 minutes. He had 3 rebounds. And off the bench for the Blazers, they got 7 points from Robert Covington in 31 minutes. He stuffed the stat sheet once again. 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and a block, and 1 3-pointer as well. 6 points for Ben McLemore. He was 2 of 7 from beyond the arc. And just 2 points for Anthony Simons. He was ice cold in this game, 1 of 9 from the field. And as for the New Orleans Pelicans, they were led by Brandon Ingram, 28 points in 37 minutes. He was 12 of 22 from the field. He had two three-pointers, eight rebounds, eight assists, and he was plus 20 in the plus-minus. So good stuff for Ingram. And they also got a double-double from Jonas Valanciunas, 10 points and 16 rebounds in 31 minutes. He had one assist and one block as well. 20 points for Josh Hart in 41 minutes. He was plus 18 in the plus minus. He was 7 of 10 from the field, and he had five rebounds, five assists, three steals, and a block. So really solid numbers there for Hart. And then the team high in plus minus was actually Devontae Graham, the point guard. He only had 10 points, but he was plus 26 in the plus minus. He had two rebounds, five assists, and a steal, two three-pointers as well. And then the rookie Herb Jones rounding out the starting lineup had just three points in 26 minutes. And off the bench for the Pelicans, they got 27 points from Nikhil Alexander-Walker. In 26 minutes, he was incredibly efficient. 10 of 16 from the field, 6 of 9 from 3. So not what you would normally expect from Alexander-Walker, the incredible efficiency. And they also he also had 3 rebounds and 4 assists. And then they got 13 points from the backup big man, Willie Hernan Gomez, in 17 minutes. He was really efficient as well, 5 of 6 from the field. He had 6 rebounds, 2 assists. And then the other 3 players to see the court did not score at all. Garrett Temple, Thomas Sadaransky, and Trey Murphy III were a combined 0 of 7 from the field. All right, and next up we can move on to Dallas, where the Mavericks defeated the Minnesota Timberwolves 114 to 102. The Mavs were led by Jalen Brunson. He had 28 points in the starting lineup. He was very efficient, 10 of 18 from the field. And they also got 19 from Dorian Finney-Smith and a double-double from Sterling Brown, also in the starting lineup, 12 and 11. There was no Kristaps Porzingis and no Luka Doncic in this game for the Mavericks, but it did not matter. They got the win in the end. 
Whereas the Minnesota Timberwolves were missing Anthony Edwards, but they were led by Carl Anthony Towns. He had 26 points and 14 rebounds, and they got a double-double from D'Angelo Russell as well, 14 and 12 assists. But unfortunately for the Timberwolves, they were just outplayed by the Mavericks throughout the majority of this game. It was really close throughout the first quarter. It was a one-point game by the end of the first. But then in the second, the Mavericks started to pull away. They outscored the Timberwolves 27-15 to in the second. So it was a double-digit lead for the Mavs going into the second half. And then they maintained that lead throughout most of the third quarter. It was still a 10-point game going into the fourth. But then the Timberwolves went on a run right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. They quickly tied the game up after a Nas Reed 3 pointer with 10.52 left on the clock that cut the deficit to five and then Jaden McDaniels and Jalen Noel hit a couple of buckets as well and so the lead just like that was all the way down to one and so for a couple of minutes there it was back and forth but then the Mavericks quickly re-established a lead with about four minutes to go Dorian Finney-Smith hit a three-pointer that one extended the lead back up to nine and then the Timberwolves were just never able to make any headway from there on out. So the Mavericks just hold on and get this win despite being without their two best players. And they shot the ball a little bit better than the Timberwolves from the field. The turnovers was the real difference maker in this one. Minnesota had 17 versus just 11 for the Mavericks. So a real sloppy game here for the Timberwolves. Cat had five turnovers, Russell had three, and Beasley had four. So just not good enough ball handling from their lead guys. And ultimately the Mavs get the win. So they now improve to 15 and 15. So they are right in the middle of the Western Conference in 8th. They are just behind the LA Lakers in 7th. They are also at 500, but they're 16 and 16. And now the Mavs have moved ahead of the Minnesota Timberwolves in 9th. They are now 15 and 16. So those two teams, the Mavs and Timberwolves, keep swapping. And the Mavericks have a 0.0 point differential, which is better than the Lakers right ahead of them. They're just 4 and 6 in their last 10 games. And as for the Wolves, as I mentioned, they are now in 9th at 15 and 16. Half a game behind Dallas and LA and two and a half games up on the Sacramento Kings in 10th. And the Wolves have a negative 0.2 point differential, which isn't bad. Uh, and they're also four and six in their last 10 games. All right, so moving on to the box score and the Timberwolves, as I mentioned, were led by Carl Anthony Towns, a really solid double-double for him, 26 points and 14 rebounds in 38 minutes. He was 9 of 14 from the field, so very efficient, 3 of 4 from beyond the arc and 5 of 5 from the free throw line. Incredible efficiency for Towns. He also had 7 rebounds and 2 blocks, so really stuffing the stat sheet there. And they also got 22 from Malik Beasley in the starting lineup. There was no Patrick Beverly as well as no Anthony Edwards. So Beasley got the start and he played 35 minutes. He was 8 of 15 from the field. He had six three-pointers, three rebounds, two assists. But like I said, he did have four turnovers and he was a team low, negative 19 in the plus minus. They also got 14 points and 12 assists from D'Angelo Russell in 36 minutes. He was ice cold, though, 4 of 18 from the field, 1 of 11 from 3. He did have one rebound and one steal, though. 11 points for Jaden McDaniels in 39 minutes. He was 4 of 8 from the field, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals. He was in the starting lineup in place of Jared Vanderbilt. He also did not play in this game. And the rookie, Leandro Bolmaro, rounding out the starting lineup. He was actually drafted uh, two years ago, but this is his first season in the NBA. He did not score at all. He didn't even attempt a field goal or a free throw. He just had two rebounds. And off the bench for the Timberwolves, they got 11 points from the backup big man, Nas Reed, in 18 minutes. He was 4 of 6 from the field, 3 of 4 from beyond the arc. He had 3 rebounds and 2 blocks as well. And they also got 8 points from Jalen Noel in 24 minutes. He was 4 of 8 from the field. 4 points for Jordan McLaughlin in 18 minutes. 3 points for Jake Lehman and Nathan Knight. 
And as for the Mavericks, as I mentioned, they were led by Jalen Brunson, a really solid game for the Brunson burner, as they like to call him in Dallas. In 40 minutes, he was 10 of 18 from the field, 3 of 8 from beyond the arc, and he had 2 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals, and a block. So nice production across the board from Brunson. And they also got 19 points from Dorian Finney-Smith. In 41 minutes, he was 7 of 15 from the field. He had three threes, six rebounds, five assists, two steals. And he was plus 22 in the plus minus. That was a team high. They also got a double-double from Sterling Brown in the starting lineup. 12 points and 11 rebounds with three assists. 15 points for Dwight Powell, the big man. In 21 minutes, was 4 of 7 from the field. He had 8 rebounds, 2 assists. And 5 points for Frank Nilakina rounding out the starting lineup. He played 32 minutes and was 2 of 7 from the field. He had 4 assists, 2 rebounds, and 1 steal. And off the bench for the Mavericks, they got 10 points from the backup big man, Boban Marjanovic. In 8 minutes, he was 4 of 8 from the field. 6 points for Marquise Chris. He also had 8 rebounds. He was plus 10 in the plus minus. 8 points for Trey Burke in 22 minutes. 7 for Theo Pinson. And four points for the other backup big man, Moses Brown. All right, and finally, we can move on to Los Angeles, where the Lakers were handily defeated by the Phoenix Suns, 108-90. to This game was a blowout in the end. The Suns were led by Devin Booker. He had 24 points, and they also got 19 from DeAndre Ayton. And as is often the case, they had several other guys scoring in double digits, five other players, in fact. Whereas the Lakers were led by LeBron, he had 34 points. He was incredibly efficient, 13 of 19 from the field. And they also got 22 and 10 from Russell Westbrook. Of course, still missing Anthony Davis. The Lakers got just seven points from the other three starters, DeAndre Jordan, Wayne Ellington, and Taylor Horton Tucker. So it was all LeBron and Westbrook in this one. They did get 12 points from Trevor Ariza in just his second game for the Lakers back in the purple and gold. He was 4-4 from the field. But in the end, this was a comfortable win for the Phoenix Suns. It was pretty close throughout the first half. The Lakers led by one after the first quarter, and then the Suns led by two after the second. So back and forth throughout the first, but then the third quarter is when the Suns really started to lay the smackdown. They outscored the Lakers 31-21 to in the third. So they had a double-digit lead heading into the fourth quarter, and then they expanded upon that lead even further in the fourth, outscoring the Lakers 23-17. to So in the end, it was a pretty disappointing loss here for L.A., And unsurprisingly, they shot the ball pretty poorly. They were 39% from the field overall and 20% from three. The Suns weren't that great either. They were just 44% from the field and 29% from three. But, I mean, 29% is much better than 20%. Let's put it that way. And the Suns also had 16 turnovers, but the Lakers had 15. And the Suns out-rebounded the Lakers as well. So, despite the fact that the Suns didn't play the most beautiful game in the world, the Lakers were just a little bit worse. And so, with this loss, the Lakers now fall to 16-16. and So they are still at 500, as I mentioned previously, tied with the Dallas Mavericks in the middle of the West. They are half a game behind the Clippers in sixth and the Nuggets, in fact, in fifth. And they are half a game up on the Timberwolves in ninth. And the Lakers are negative 1.4 in the point differential, which is worse than three teams below them. They're now on a three-game losing streak, and they are 5-5 in their last 10. So they were not exactly lighting the world on fire with Anthony Davis, but they've been struggling without him as well. So it is looking less and less likely that the Lakers are going to be able to break into that upper echelon of the Western Conference. They may find themselves in the play-in game once again this season.
But as for the Suns, they find themselves at the other end of the spectrum, firmly at the top of the Western Conference, top of the entire league, in fact. They are now 25-5, and so in first, half a game up on the Golden State Warriors in second, and four games up on the Utah Jazz in third. The Suns are on a four-game winning streak once again. They are 8-2 in their last 10 games, and they have the third-best point differential in the entire NBA at plus 7.7. So just incredible season here once again for the Phoenix Suns, and now that they've got Devin Booker back. They look really uh, impressive. And so we can move on now to the box score where Booker led the way. He had 24 points in 32 minutes. He was 8 of 16 from the field, 6 of 11 from beyond the arc, and he had 9 rebounds, 7 assists, and 1 steal. He did have 5 turnovers, but he was plus 14 in the plus minus. In fact, all 5 of the starters were at least plus 12. So just incredible performances yet again from the Phoenix Suns. They also got a double-double from DeAndre Ayton, 19 points and 11 rebounds with 2 assists and 2 steals. He was 9 of 11 from the field in 27 minutes. 11 points for Chris Paul in 29 minutes. He was 5 of 8 from the field. He had 3 rebounds, 9 assists, and a steal. 14 points for Mikael Bridges in 34 minutes. He was actually not super efficient. 5 of 17 from the field and 0 of 5 from beyond the arc. He had 5 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, and 2 blocks, though. And he was plus 24, which was a team high. And then Jay Crowder, rounding out the starting lineup, had 3 points. He was 1 of 4 from the field. He had 2 assists. And off the bench for the Suns, they got double-digit scoring from three guys, the dynamic trio of Cameron Johnson, JaVale McGee, and Cameron Payne. They have just been so good, all three of those guys, for the Suns coming off the bench this season. Johnson had 14 points in 26 minutes. He was 5 of 11 from the field. He had four threes, eight rebounds, one assist, two steals. McGee had 10 points and 10 rebounds in 16 minutes only. He was 5 of 7 from the field. And Payne, the backup point guard, he was actually ice cold from the field in this game, 2 of 13 and 1 of 7 from 3. But he was 5 of 5 from the free throw line, and he had 5 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 steals. So at least doing a little bit in the box score, uh, Payne, despite the inefficient shooting. And then Landry Shamit was also pretty inefficient, 1 of 5 from the field for 3 points. And as for the L.A. Lakers, they were led by LeBron James. Despite this disappointing loss, it was actually an incredible performance from him. He had 34 points in 34 minutes. He was 13 of 19 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, and perfect 6 of 6 from the free throw line. So pretty incredible scoring from LeBron James, all things considered. He had 7 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 steals as well. And on top of all that, he was the only starter to not have a negative plus minus. He was 0, actually. They also got a double-double from Russell Westbrook, 22 points and 10 rebounds. He was 10 of 20 from the field, so not terrible in 37 minutes, but he did have seven turnovers. So even in the games where Russell Westbrook is shooting the ball efficiently, he still manages to uh, muck things up by having seven turnovers. That's way too many. The games where he's not turning the ball over and shooting the ball efficiently have been, frankly, few and far between. He did have 10 rebounds, though, five assists, three steals. As for the other three starters, it was pretty abysmal. Three points for Taylor Horton Tucker. He was 1 of 13 from the field, 0 of 8 from beyond the arc, 2 rebounds, 1 assist. He was negative 18 in the plus minus. Three points as well for Wayne Ellington in 28 minutes. He was 1 of 4 from the field. He had 2 rebounds. And then DeAndre Jordan rounding out the starting lineup had just one point in 15 minutes, and he was a team low, negative 26 in the plus minus. He did have eight rebounds, but nonetheless, atrocious performances from Jordan, Ellington, and Horton Tucker. And off the bench for the Lakers, it wasn't that much better. Trevor Ariza was pretty much the only bright spot. He was 4 of 4 from the field. He had 12 points and 5 rebounds. 
So a nice game for him on his return to his hometown. This was his first game back in L.A., just his second game so far this season. And, of course, he played for those championship Lakers teams in the late 2000s, and he went to college at UCLA. So at the very least, a good game for Trevor Ariza. As for the rest of the bench, the same could not be said. Just seven points for Carmelo Anthony in 16 minutes. He was two of seven from the field. Mason Jones and Isaiah Thomas both had three points. Jones was one of three from the field, and Isaiah Thomas was one of 11 from the field. He was 0 of six from beyond the arc, so definitely coming back down to earth after his hot start to his Lakers tenure this season. And then Jamario Jones had two points in three minutes. Jay Huff and Rajon Rondo both saw the court but did not score. They were a combined 0 of four from the field. All right, and that will do it for our box score breakdown. So we can now move on to fantasy, the standout and surprising fantasy lines of the night. And we had a couple of pretty good options for standout line of the night. You had a nice double-double from DeAndre Ayton, 19 and 11. Josh Hart had 20 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 steals. And then Mitchell Robinson had that really productive double-double, 17 and 14 with 3 blocks. But ultimately, it came down to 3 options for standout line of the night. It was Carl Anthony Towns, LeBron James, and Damian Lillard. Towns had the big double-double, 26 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists, and 2 blocks. Dame, of course, had the 39-point explosion. He had seven assists and six three-pointers. But ultimately, we had to go with LeBron James. He just had an incredibly efficient 34-point game, 13 of 19 from the field. He was six of six from the free-throw line, perfect, and he was two of five from three. He had seven rebounds, two assists, two steals, and only two turnovers as well. So just incredible production from LeBron. Stuffing the stat sheet, and particularly the efficiency, is where he won this award. He was much more efficient than Dame or even Carl Anthony Towns. It was just insane what LeBron did in this game and what he's been able to do this whole season at age 36. Just the other day, he surpassed the point where he's been in the NBA for more than half of his entire life. Just been doing it for so long on such a consistent basis. Of course, drafted all the way back in 2003. So LeBron James, once again, is your standout line of the night. And as for surprising line of the night, we're going to go to Miami, Omer Yurtsevin. He had eight points in 22 minutes. Uh, he was only three of seven from the field, but the other stats are where he really won this award. 13 rebounds, one assist, two steals, and two blocks. Really nice production there from Yurtsevin in just 22 minutes off the bench. The four combined steals and blocks are great. The 13 rebounds. And once again, we were talking about the undrafted guys that Miami just plucks out of obscurity. This is another one. Yurtsevin, undrafted. Duncan Robinson, undrafted. Gabe Vincent, undrafted. Max Struess, undrafted. I mean, even Kendrick Nunn, who has now gone on to the Lakers, he was another one. So the Miami Heat are just incredible with their talent development. And Yurtsevin is just a perfect example of that. So he is your surprising line of the night. And LeBron James is your standout line of the night. All right, and finally, we can move on to our preview for today, Wednesday, December the 22nd. And we have six games on the schedule for today, starting off in Boston. The Celtics are taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Celtics are minus five and a half. In Atlanta, the Hawks are taking on the Orlando Magic, and the Hawks are minus seven and a half. In Chicago, the Bulls take on the Toronto Raptors, and the Bulls are minus ten and a half. In Milwaukee, the Bucks are taking on the Houston Rockets, and the Bucks are minus ten. In Oklahoma City, the Thunder are taking on the Denver Nuggets, and the Nuggets are minus six and a half. And finally, in Sacramento, the Kings are taking on the Clippers, and the Clippers are minus six. Okay, so some interesting lines here. The Boston Celtics minus five and a half immediately jumped out at me, but the Cleveland Cavaliers are dealing with a bunch of injuries at the moment. 
basically like half their team is unavailable, most notably Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley, of course, in addition to Colin Sexton and Isaac Okoro. So they are down to like Darius Garland and Ricky Rubio and Kevin Love. And that being said, I think I might still lean towards that as our best bet. We'll go through a couple of the other options, but I'm leaning towards that one despite all the injuries. Uh, We've also got the Orlando Magic plus eight in Atlanta. I am not super high on the Hawks right now. They've been struggling. Um, They are just four and six in their last 10 games, but the Magic are one of the worst teams in the entire NBA right now, so I can't in good conscience go with them either. And I was tempted by some of these big lines, the Houston Rockets plus 10 against the very injured Milwaukee Bucks, and then the Toronto Raptors plus 10 and a half versus the Chicago Bulls. Both of those seemed a little bit appetizing to me, but I, again, don't have a ton of faith in the Raptors or the Rockets at the moment. They've both been a little bit inconsistent lately. And then finally, the Thunder plus six and a half at home versus the Nuggets. That seems like a little bit too high of a line. The Nuggets haven't exactly been lighting the world on fire. They are six and four in their last 10, but the Thunder are just four and six, and they're on a two-game winning streak. Uh, They still do have that worst point differential in the West, but nonetheless, I just have a little bit of faith in the Thunder to at least keep things close, especially at home. So I was tempted by that one, uh, plus six and a half for the Thunder, but ultimately, I think we're just going to go with the one best bet for today, and it is, in fact, going to be the Cleveland Cavaliers plus five and a half in Boston. Now, I don't know if they're ultimately going to win this game because they are very shorthanded. Not having Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley is certainly going to hurt, but they are just such a scrappy and fun team, and they still got Darius Garland. They've still got Ricky Rubio and Kevin Love, so I think they can put together some sort of competitive game here. I don't know if they'll win in the end, but I think they can cover at least plus five and a half. So that's going to be our one best bet for today, the Cavaliers plus five and a half in Boston, and that will do it for us today. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to follow the show on social we are at nba recap pod or you can just search youtube or smart speakers for nba recap podcast we'll be back tomorrow to recap all six of those games and to preview the action for thursday december the 23rd until then thanks for tuning in